The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Hello there, and I hope you're having a fantastic day. You know, this is a great day for Transformation for Success radio show, and I am excited. We're going to share today the general topic of sisterhood, and I've titled today's show, The Tie That Binds. My guests today are Robin and Andrea McBride, sisters who found each other after 16, 17 years and are now entrepreneurs with over 10 years in the wine business. So I want you to stay tuned. Call your friends or have them download this show as you're going to hear their incredible story of transformation and redemption. You know, women normally look for good sisters among their friends. And certainly if they've not had the experience of a good sister and more so if they have not. You know, a woman's relationship with her sister may range from indifference to passionate, lifelong competition for parent love and world success. You know, it can be a bond that disfigures or a bond that sustains. Sisters may be similar, but they may also be quite different. They may complement each other. They may either enjoy or suffer their differences. You know, sisters may engage in lifelong competition without ever acknowledging it and without ever disconnecting from each other. You know, I have found sisterhood can be painful, incomplete, and occasionally hurtful. It can be marred by distrust, disapproval, rejection, even bitterness, envy, jealousy, despair, and I hate to say it, but even hatred. But sisterhood also can be marked by fierce love. And like the concept we always hear about brotherhood, sisterhood is an ongoing commitment, and such a commitment requires perseverance. You know, I had two sisters, and unfortunately, they died very young. And one of the things I found that Some sisters may even function as each other's lifelong friends and most ardent supporters. Laughter, competition, and friendship are common among sisters, and they were common among my sisters. The relationship can be complicated and messy, but also one of the most cherished connections you will ever make. And this is the lesson that Robin and Andrea McBride have spent the last 17 years learning. So today, my discussion is going to center on their incredible story and how they came to be entrepreneurs with a successful winery business with a combined sales, which totals over 1 million bottles per year nationally. Now, it may be more, so we're going to talk about that. But call your friends, and please be sure to download this discussion. 
It's going to inspire you with a story of finding each other and their opportunities and challenges as women of color in the wine business. So you can call in the show to ask questions or you can email me at info at transformationforsuccess.com. You can have your questions or your comments and call in. We have a toll-free number, which is 888-346-9141. Or if you're calling internationally, you can call 480-553-5754. And don't forget, 001. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and you can access me through these channels. And also, you can go to my website www.info at transformation for success. So now to my guests. Hello, Robin and Andrea. Hi. Hello, Dr. Young. Thanks for having us on. I mean, it's a pleasure to have you on the Transformation for Success show today. I'm so glad that you guys were able to call in today because you're in two different locations, one in San Francisco, one in Oakland. Oh, my God, but I'm happy you guys were able to to get in here and to talk and share with me today. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, you know what? You guys, you have such a a wonderful, fascinating story. So I want either one of you or both of you to share a little bit about your background and how you guys found each other. Yeah, yeah, sure. So today, you know, Andrea and I are the founders and creators of our own wine company, two wine companies, actually, that we've been in for over 11 years, mm-hmm. and we're very, very close, obviously, business partners, best friends, and sisters, but it wasn't always that way. Um, mm-hmm. We actually didn't know about each other at all when we were growing up. We each thought that we were only children, and growing up in you know two different countries, really, mm-hmm. Andrea and New Zealand, and I grew up in, in California and Monterey. And to give a little more context to that, um, the reason that that happened is we have the same father and two different moms. And okay. we were born, both born in Los Angeles, and um, both of our moms had pretty tumultuous relationships with our dad mm-hmm. and um, split up when we were very, each very young and then mm-hmm. didn't have a relationship with him going forward. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm nine years older, and so my parents split up when I was about two, and so mm-hmm. I never knew him. I didn't have any communication with him growing up. I was just, you know, a single child growing up. Um, my mom didn't have any other, any other children, and so I was in Monterey. Um, in mm-hmm. California, ha- happily living, you know, in a beautiful coastal wine country. Oh, it is know. beautiful up there. Oh, my it goodness. It is. Um, oh. But I didn't know that I had a little sister, oh, Andrea, goodness. who was um, mm-hmm. from the age of five, moved from Los Angeles back to her mother's home country of New Zealand. And she wow. grew up there, also a very beautiful place to grow up as a small child. Not, mm-hmm. Neither very diverse, but both very beautiful um, and she didn't learn about me until she was um, nearly a teenager. Wow. You know, it's interesting because you have two different backgrounds. Now, uh, Andrea, were you with a single mom as as well, or a mom with only one child? Yes, I was. And um, unfortunately, um, when we moved down to New Zealand, we were moving because she knew that she was uh, terminal with breast cancer. Oh, um, so and so that. she passed away shortly after we got to New Zealand. Oh. And um, thereafter, um, my grandparents, her parents were both in their late 80s, and, and they passed away, you know, within a year and a half of her. Um, oh, and my so I was, goodness. I was, 
I was raised in foster care. Um, you know, the person who I call my mother um, is, a, is the woman that raised me and, and is an incredible and amazing woman and um, who really shaped me as I was, as I was going through a lot um, in, mm-hmm. through my teenage years. You know, what a blessing that you had uh, a foster care mother who planted, you know, good into you. Because it could be with a lot of foster kids, just the opposite. So <laughs> I can truly say that there was divine a divine hand on both your lives. And then, uh, Robin, what was happening with you? You know, because see, when you come, Monterey, California, which is Northern California, I grew up in Berkeley. So I, I'm very, very familiar with the area and beautiful. And you're single uh, in terms of you, mom, with no other children. So how was it uh, when you guys, how did you find out about each other, though? Our father got in contact with me when I was uh, 11, um, out of the blue, and um, he, unfortunately, at the time he was reaching out, he was also terminal with cancer, and he was determined that regardless of what happened to him, it was Mm -hmm. important that Robert and I find each other, connect with each other, and have a relationship, Um, and so he basically said to his family, this is kind of my last and my final wish and I'm this isn't doesn't happen while I'm here. I need to I need to entrust that you all will make sure this happens. Mm-hmm. And so this search to find Robin took about five years and um Wow. And she she re- received a letter in the mail. Robin, how did you feel when you get a letter in the mail that you have a sister? Um <laughs> It was definitely, I mean, it was sad because I learned in the letter that our father had passed away. And so, you know, as a child Mm -hmm. who has a parent who's not present, I think that there's always, you know, a hope and a wish that one day you're going to connect with that person and have a relationship. Right, right. So I learned in that letter that that wasn't going to happen. I also learned that I had a little sister, which was very, very exciting. A lot of times, (laughs) I mean, I was an only child. So a lot of times as an only child, you know, you always wish that you had a sibling to you know, right. do stuff with, hang around with, play with. Um, so that was, you know, even though I wasn't going to get to meet my father, that was kind of a second wish come true. However, mm-hmm. I learned that she was in New Zealand. And I had actually just moved to Atlanta from Monterey um, when I received the letter. So it was kind of like a little bittersweet because I didn't know when I was going to be in New Zealand anytime soon. So I found that right. I had a sister. She was 16 years old at the time. I was 25. Uh, and... Um, didn't know when I was going to meet her, but the, the letter was written by our aunt, our dad's sister, who um, lived in their hometown. They, they're mm-hmm. from a small town in Alabama called Camden, which is right outside of Selma. And so mm-hmm. she asked me to, to call her so that she could connect both of us. And when I did, she was, she was thrilled, you know, it's very, very exciting for them to have finally, you know, found the correct Robin McBride and to be in contact. Um, so there was a lot of you know, screaming and hooting and hollering on that end of the phone. <laughs> and and, um, and then she just said to me, um, your sister's here. And oh, my. a whole bunch of rustling on the other end of the phone. And, and that was kind of all I got for a moment. <laughs> and then um, my experience was it just happened that I was visiting from New Zealand Mm-hmm. sitting in our aunt's living room in Alabama when the phone rang and I was watching TV and, you know, my aunt picked up the phone and, 
you know, as Robin said, was calling on Jesus, and I was thinking in my mind, oh, you know, something, something's about to pop off, something's about to go down, and she she threw the phone at me and said, your sister's on the phone, um, and so we we had what I thought was a good long conversation. We laugh about it now because. I was doing oh, all the my. talking. My my New Zealand accent at the time was much stronger, and so Robin had no idea <laughs> what I was all. talking about. <laughs> it was just like just saying, "Uh huh, uh huh," <laughs> to everything everything I was saying. Um, but the next day, I was scheduled um, on a flight to fly up to New York to see um, our dad's brother, our uncle, mm-hmm. and Robin um, decided she, you know took the moment upon herself and decided she was going to get on a plane the next day as well. And we would meet in LaGuardia Airport the next day. Um, and that was January uh, 1999. Were, were you guys, did you have butterflies in, in your yes. stomach? I mean, were you just like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, what is she going to look like? And oh my God, you know, and, and with your accent, Robin, oh my, I mean, Andrea, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can yes. imagine. I'm That's, sort of a flutter myself thinking about, my goodness. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there was lots and lots of butterflies. I mean, I can speak for myself on my end. Because um, mm-hmm. it was a really short period of time, you know, finding out that Andrea existed in the first place. And then I was on my way to see her. Um, and just like you said, I didn't know I didn't know what to expect. You know, I didn't know um, what she would look like. You know, I'm, I'm biracial. She, she is also biracial. But we didn't know that when we were going to go meet each other. Um, right, so I didn't right. know how I would recognize her at the airport. I didn't know. <laughs> um, we had other family of our dads that was going to be there. So there were just lots of butterflies, lots of question marks, lots of unknowns. Um, so it was very exciting and, you know, ki- kind of a, a nervous situation. But once I got off the plane um, and I saw, I immediately knew who my sister was. <laughs> Was, was um, she waiting for you? And uh, as you yeah. walked down that long corridor, was she in baggage claim, or where was she? <laughs> no, no. Her. Well, this is before nine eleven. So this okay, is, that's right. Okay. So, so, so your whole, you know, anybody could wait for you at your gate. You know, right. where, where the plane was. So when I got off, and I was thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, how am I going to recognize? You know, this extended family. How am I going to know who's my sister? My mind is just racing, 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 and I'm walking down, you know, the jetway, and I see my reflection. What I think is my reflection at the end of the hallway. And it turns out, of course, that it's my sister. So clearly we um, had enough of a resemblance that we knew each other right away. And Isn't um, there was no question. Amazing. Uh, it's amazing. I, I mean, I'm thinking because I'm looking at your pictures now, and you guys look so much alike. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you really are. Now, is one ta- a little taller than the other? One's a lot taller. The younger I was looking at the picture, <laughs> and I'm saying, now, which one is taller? Is that you, Andrea, or Robin? Yeah, it's, it's me. The little, the little sister. The little sister. She's the taller sister. So, Andrea, you are shorter? No, I'm or taller. I'm, I'm six foot one. Yeah. What? And so I'm, what happened over there I'm in not. Zealand, girl? What happened? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still asking that question, because actually both... <laughs> Our dad was six six. Um, my mom is also tall, five eleven, and everybody in the family is tall. And I'm five eight, so I'm the shorty. I don't know what happened. So, so Robin, you're five eight, and Andrea, you're six one. Do I have it right? Yeah. Yeah. 
okay, well, that's okay. I'm 5'9 in stocking feet, guys. So I look and I wear these four inch <laughs> heels. I love it. Love being tall. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I, I'm just so I'm excited. I'm thrilled because, you know, having sisters of my own and, of course, they're, they're, they're gone. I, I, I miss that friendship and that bonding. And I just can only imagine the two of you in that airport. And then who's talking the most? Andrea or Robin? (laughs) Nobody really did much talking. As soon as we saw each other, Uh um, we just hugged and we cried. And, um, you know, it's funny. We we were, as we were hugging and crying, we were both kind of feeling each other's hair, which is kind of weird, but we have, you know, kind of the same hair. And so we didn't really know anybody that had, you know, those same their hair was curly like both of ours, but we didn't really we didn't really say anything that I can remember. Oh wow. Well, you are quite a duo and I am again I'm excited and thrilled to be able to have you share your story of what it was like uh, to have, you know, and from two different continents. I mean, imagine mm-hmm. New Zealand and California are so far different because your orientation, uh, Robin, was to California. And mm-hmm. here we have your sister in New Zealand. That is just marvelous. Well, you know what? We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back and we're going to start the story of how you discovered you shared a love and interest in wine. So, listeners, don't go away. We'll be right back after a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April Joy Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at one 888 346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 
You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, and welcome back to the show Transformation for Success today with my guest, the McBride Sisters. And you know, I've titled this show, The Tie That Binds, because we're talking about two sisters who were separated when the time they were young and who met some 11 years later and have started a business together, the wine business. So welcome back. And we're going to talk about what was it like when you discovered you shared an interest in wine? All right, Robin, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) What? <laughs> I mean, that is so fascinating. So, what do you? What, what can you share about that? Well, when we when we first met, um, mm-hmm. the natural conversation started with, "What was it like where you grew up?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sharing kind of stories. And as we were just really getting to know each other, we started to piece together really quickly that we both grew up in these small coastal towns that were um, pretty rural, pretty agriculture-driven, and Mm -hmm. both coincidentally um, had a lot of grape farmers and a lot of grape growing um, that went on for those grapes to go on to make Mm -hmm. wine. Um, And so it was it was quite uncanny um, because um, yes. once once we both visited the areas that we grew up, they look so similar. It's kind of scary <laughs> in a weird way, um, right. you know, from the rock formations on the coast to the to the trees and to the vegetation and the hills and everything. It's quite crazy. Um, and you know, it wasn't until I came back to the United States for university um, mm-hmm. that we really started our bond of sisters. And um, I went to school in L.A. I went to the University of Southern California. Mm-hmm. And um, every other weekend, I would drive up to Monterey um, and visit Robin. And, you know, we would talk and, and just get to know each other. And we, fa- we, find, we found ourselves um, what we like, <laughs> what we describe as um, driving and dreaming, where we would just get in the car and we would drive and we would just talk um, and, you know, we'd start kind of dreaming up these ideas and we found ourselves ending up, you know, driving into vineyards and driving um, to go buy wine and, and go chase wine. Um, and really, it just came to a point where we just said, okay, the world is telling us <laughs> we should be in the wine industry, um, you know, and so we did it. You did a what? I said we. It got to the point where, uh, you know, we decided that the the world was telling us we need to be in the wine industry, and so, you know, eleven years later, here we are. Isn't that? Don't you find? I mean, this is also. It, it's it's spiritual. It's some people say it's magical. I mean, I'm trying to find the words. You know, it's you put this out there in the universe, and you know, I know people find this an incredible story, and there are probably you know very few that can match this. Like I said, I was telling uh, Robin, I see a Hallmark movie in the making. <laughs> but there could be. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm saying it truly, and it would be interesting who will play your parts of the sisters, but I don't want to get off on that. But, but basically, well, hopefully us. 
Yeah. All right. Okay. Great. You'll play your own roles. <laughs> I won't have anybody play you. That's great. But when when you found out, it's like the universe of the world is saying, I say God, the creator, he, he knew this. This is divine intervention for sure. And bringing you together, you have a love, you find this interest in wine. So now, were there things that you had to, you know, in terms of starting this, this wine business, how did you guys start it? Yeah, it definitely takes more than just, you know, <laughs> coming yeah. together and saying, we want to be in the wine business. Um, and so, of course, when we, you know, ha- talked about that idea together, we didn't, you know, we didn't own a winery. Um, we didn't own vineyards, and we definitely didn't have the capital to do either of those. So we looked around and, you know, kind of tried to figure out, you know, we don't have a lot of startup money. How can we um, start in the business and on the on the business side, really? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just kind of get our feet wet and figure out how all of this works. You know, the U.S. has a very, very complicated system for selling wine and spirits, all, you know, post-prohibition. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we thought that the best way um, would be to start importing really small quantities of boutique wines from New Zealand. And, okay. um, you know, Andrea grew up in wine country and was very familiar with a lot of the wineries and producers. And so we basically convinced them to give us a little bit of their wine, sort of on consignment, because, again, we didn't have a lot of capital, um, mm-hmm. and just import it into California and see how we could do with it and see what we could, you know, learn in terms of mm-hmm. how to sell the wine, who to talk to, what the processes were. And we did that. We started that in 2004, 2005-ish, um, and we did really well. And yes. so we started um, selling those boutique wines from New Zealand and then self-distributing in California. And everything was just, um, you know, we learned the ropes pretty quickly. Everything was going really well um, mm-hmm. until there was a particular event, which was like the global economic, you know, cra- collapse. Right. <laughs> um, which was kind of a problem for us because at that point we had, you know, hand-sold all of the top you know, 100 restaurants in California, mm-hmm. um, which were a lot of, um, you know, sort of expense account restaurants and really high-end restaurants, and, and mm-hmm. they were starting to close up one by one or not yeah. pay their bills yeah. or not take their product. So right. quickly we had to figure out from that point what was going to be our next step, and, which, and, of course, uh, would be the launch of our own wine. Boy, you know... When that happened and it caused you to sort of rethink, did you get discouraged and think, uh, or one of both of you saying, you know, why don't we just give up? You know, I mean, this is a pipe dream and maybe we should do something else. I I think during challenging times in our careers, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I think both of us kind of have this attitude of never give up. And Good. so we're always looking in a tough situation of how can we, how can we get, how, basically, to be frank, how can we get ourselves out of this situation? What uh-huh. can we do? Um, how can we look at this differently? What aren't we, what aren't we thinking about that we could be doing? Um, and so, you know, we reached out to our greater network of, of friends and family, and one of Robin's colleagues um, that at the time lived in New York um, managed to get us um, an appointment with... Um, at the time, he was the CEO of one of the largest wine and spirits companies in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we had 
really no idea um, who we who exactly were that we were talking to, and and by that I mean you know the power of this person that this person you know held, and so we were quite casual on the phone, and you know we talked to him about this idea that we had and uh, of starting our own wine company, and it was going to be based on this premise of sustainability and how we believed that it takes a community of people to make a bottle of wine and it's important that you take care of the people um, and also the planet in that process and that, you know, we wanted to make high quality wines that were accessible to people at a lower price point. We we believe that the wine industry was really uh, exclusive and Mm -hmm. it didn't bring everybody in and we saw this transition of in that time when we were selling other people's wines um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, people of color were starting to drink more wine Women, mm-hmm. you know, really were, mm-hmm. were con- controlling the purchases around, you know, mm-hmm. 10 to $20. And a lot of younger people were trying to learn about wine, and, and the wine industry wasn't a, doing a good job in helping people on their journey. Um, and so as we were talking to him, I think, <laughs> in the conversation, he realized that um, we didn't understand who he was. And he kind you of chuckled a little bit. And <laughs> I thought about that as you were sharing. Don't you think it probably worked to your advantage that you didn't know who he was? Because maybe you, your whole, your whole uh, frame of reference and conversation might have been very different and guarded. And Absolutely. I think, you know, sometimes not knowing helps you because there's no fear. You can just speak, you know, right from your heart and right from right, your thoughts. Right. And, and you're not thinking about being judged in any way. And, right. Um, and after the phone call, at, at the conclusion of the phone call, he said to us, you know, he was going to Europe and, you know, um, you know, he, he prefaced by saying he was a pretty busy guy and if we didn't hear from him in, you know, three to six months, not, not to worry, it's just he's, he's pretty busy. And um, he got back from Europe and he said to us he felt like um, our, our ideas were really powerful and that we were onto something. And it just happened shortly thereafter that he left the company and he actually ended up becoming our mentor. And he, he gave us this wine industry 101 lesson on how you raise money to start a wine company. And so wow. we did. And we launched, our, we launched, we raised money and we, we launched our first wine brand that was um, out of New Zealand called Eco Love Wines um, at the end of 2010. And being non-traditional um, in terms of our approach and <laughs> yes, I would of, say so. <laughs> <laughs> on on how we how we how we view the wine industry, we you know, it was cool that we were making wine in New Zealand, you know, because that's my backyard, that's where I grew up. But our dream was always to make wine in California as well, where the Robin grew up. Um, and so um we, for the last three and a half, four years, we were working on launching our California wine company, um, and we officially did that in 2015, and that company is called Truve Wines, and um, yeah, and, and we, we launched last year and, and wow. have just launched um, our rosé under the Truve label that was that's pretty exciting, and we had a fantastic um, segment on the Steve Harvey show yesterday. But your listeners can check out. (laughs) I heard about you guys being on Steve Harvey yesterday. What a wonderful experience. You know, but one of the things, Steve got a chance to taste that wine. I don't have a chance to taste it. (laughs) Well, we're going to hook you up. You know, we're going to send you some wine. (laughs) (laughs) 
but which leads me to a question because you guys you created these two brands under your banner and the eco am i saying it right the eco wines eco and then approve did i pronounce it right the the new zealand brand is called eco love Right. Wines okay. and the California brand is called Truve, and they're, they're okay. Truve it's wines, true. and they're all under the banner of the McBride Sisters Wine Company. And I Absolutely. and Truve is actually the name is derived from the French verb, which means to find. So it's it's wonderful. obviously it's a it's a play on Robert and I finding each other, and oh. it's also a play on us finding so amazing awesome. vineyards and the central coast of California and making delicious wines. You know, you guys, this is fabulous too because, it, you know, when you look at this, you know, one, the fact is that you find each other, you find you have a love of wine or together and you, you pursue it. And then you go through what I call, you know, you start out and you're doing well, but you start, you have what we call our trial experience or I call it our Egypt desert experience. But mm. the attitude you had, and I'm so, I'm interested in this because so many people do have ideas, you know, and they never really, you know, step forward and pursue them. Or if they do, something happens and they say, oh, well, I'll just give up. Do you know how many people do that? I, I guess you know that. But mm-hmm. the attitude that you had, both of you, to never mm-hmm. give up and then mm-hmm. reaching out. And of course, Robin, you had a colleague. that. You know, the connections we make sometimes, you don't know how those yeah. connections will play, come into play. And this connection, you and you, you make this conversation. I'm sort of giving feedback on what I feel really inspiring is going to be inspiring the listeners, too, is that you didn't give up. Robin, connections are important. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you made a very important connection, but you called on that connection, not knowing maybe how influential or powerful he was. And you were able to speak your heart or your hearts, in terms of what you really wanted to do, your ideas. But it seems like, too, you had well-thought-out ideas. And there were ideas, not so much about making money, but what I heard was about serving people. You'd done your research, uh, people who are beginning to drink more wine, people who are beginning, younger people, um, the, making the wine more affordable for people to be able to purchase it. So obviously, you had ideas that weren't, what I want to call self-serving ideas. Mm -hmm. But, and so I truly believe from listening to you that God pierced that man's heart. He was gone for a few months and I'm sure you probably think, oh God, we probably never hear from this busy guy again. (laughs) But he comes back and not only that, becomes your mentor and teaches you. Wow, you know, what a magnificent story. So I wonder who's going to play that role. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, I think Dr. Young, I think, you kind of, you asked the question, you know, earlier, you know, why didn't we give up and how do we have the wherewithal to keep going? And I think, mm-hmm. you know, both Robert and I believe that everyone is born with genius level talent. You yes. just have to be able to tap into your passion and develop your brilliance. And I think the reason why we kept going was because we were just so passionate about mm-hmm. wine and we were so passionate about how we could bring value to people's lives through wine. We were both, you know, these believers in that, you know, wine is the social glue. 
it brings people together, usually over food. Usually it's a good time. It doesn't need to necessarily be your immediate family, but it can be you can create a family with wine, and there's usually no drama. It's usually a good time, you know. Right, right. Because we felt so strongly about that, when we were going through these really, really difficult times, that was enough to keep us going because we knew that there was a bigger purpose to what we were doing than, you know, just earning money or just trying to make a quick buck. Right, right. And, oh, I'm so glad you said that because I hear so many people talk about, you know, well, I'm in this to, to make money and they want the quick money. And oh, mm-hmm. there is a bigger purpose and you were able to see that. And I'm so happy for the both of you because truly you are bringing value to people's lives. And again, I just can't thank you enough for sharing. Um, one of the things that that's, is troubling, though, um, and, and of course, this question, I think, has been asked more than more than once, why are there not more women in the wine business? <laughs> what do you think is the barrier? I mean, it's, 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 you know, I think it's just, it's one of those things that unfortunately, traditionally has for a long time been a man's world. And well, we got to break that. For, you guys are breaking yeah, the barrier here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, we think that, you know, with diversity, you know, you can only make the wine industry better when mm-hmm. it comes to innovation and it comes to ideas. It's just not going to come from one single type of person that has a single type of experience. Um, and um, I think, you know, there because traditionally it is quite an archaic business that does have these traditions that in Europe go back hundreds of years, Um, you know, men men traditionally have always run the business. And so I think, you know, like a lot of other industries that are male-dominated, I mean, I'm going to keep it real. Women have to work twice as hard because you're always going to have your ideas challenged, you know, and people are always going to say, oh, you know, that's not going to work until, of course, you do do it. And then they're going to say, oh, I knew that was going to work. You know, no, they didn't. (laughs) You know, know, it seems to, I hate to make a blatant statement, we're going to take a quick break, but it seems like as one, no matter what we do, we have to work harder. I always say we have to be better than the average bear. Mm -hmm. So there there are just some challenges, and we're going to talk about that, of being a female woman of color in the wine business. So listeners, stay tuned, because we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back, and we have a lot more to talk about with the McBride sisters today. So thank you for listening and I'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
on It's Absolutely All About You. Host Eileen Nunez bases her show on the forthcoming book of the same name. If you've been taught to hold your head high and keep your self-esteem in check, where do you go if you aren't yet achieving that goal? Each program is based on a chapter of the book and comes from Eileen's many years of experience in order to help you find your inner peace. Listen for It's Absolutely All About You, live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi there, and welcome back to our show, Transformation for Success, today with the McBride Sisters. And, you know, I'm using uh, a word that was said in a magazine about them, a toast to sisterhood, because after discovering they were siblings, Robin and Andrea McBride turned a shared passion into a successful wine business. So today, listen in or you can download the show. Be sure, tell your friends about this show today because we're having a fascinating and very, very wonderful conversation. So Robin and Andrea, my my question, uh, and I was going to say this before break, before the commercial, what are some of the challenges of being uh, female women of color in the wine business that you've found thus far? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I mean, from the beginning, I think that we had challenges and being, you mm-hmm. know, a woman, um, mm-hmm. and like we talked about before, and, and even more so a woman of color, mm-hmm. um, in the wine industry, we just simply did not fit the mold, uh, especially mm-hmm. 11 years ago when we started. And so I think mm-hmm. a big challenge for us was trying to, um, you know, not only did we have to work twice as hard, but we definitely had to, to prove, you know, that we deserve some credibility. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times <clears throat> when we would be presenting our wines and, you know, trying to, to spread the word of, you know, uh, of, of wine lovers, um, we were seen as maybe being either gimmicky, right, mm-hmm. that, we're, that we're, you know, women of color who are, who are just trying to sell wine or that mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. only businesswomen who maybe, you know, don't actually know or care about wine. We're just trying mm-hmm. to sell a product. Um, and at the time when we started, you know, we had, we, we had, and we still don't have much, but of a formal education. And mm-hmm. so we, you know, were sort of self-taught um, experts first in New Zealand wine. And then, of, of mm-hmm. course, we expanded um, from that. But we were never, we felt anyway, that we were never really given that credibility. And so the challenge mm-hmm. was always to sort of, um, you know, prove prove who we are and where we come from and what we're really about and what these wines that we're presenting are really about mm-hmm. um, before we could kind of start at what seemed like a baseline where maybe some other um, people who are winemakers who aren't women of color, you know, were able to kind of come in a little bit easier right, um, right. And, and showcase their wines. You know, one of the intriguing... The... Go ahead. Oh, uh-huh. I was... 
I was just I was just going to add to that. I think, and just to provide a little bit more insight, mm-hmm. I think um, echoing what Robin said is that you know there there is a subconscious idea or stereotype of what a successful winemaker looks like. Mm-hmm. And typically, <laughs> that is not a woman of color. <laughs> yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, right? But and so, going to say so you guys you look like women of color, and you look you're beautiful. You are absolutely gorgeous. And oh. so, I mean, I'm thinking, th- forgive me, but you know, your looks did that have you know have something to do with it? You know, if you, you know, it, of course it's male dominated, but here you guys are with this beautiful curly locks, and you're tall, you're slim. What you know? What kind of image? You know, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I well, think I think you know a part of that is too that comes in the wine industry is you know when I'm talking about subconsciously of what a winemaker looks like, you know, um, on top of being women of color, you know, we like to wear big, bold, bright colors when we you know <laughs> when we dress professionally and not professionally, and so you know you walk you blow through the door and people just can't wrap their mind around the idea that you might be, you know, the owner of the wine company, um, which, which is a, which is, which is like, we made to, to, we made that into a positive because one, we were unforgettable, you know, people, people were always going to remember us when we, when we came to call them and try and sell them wine. And two, because we always felt like we were challenged because of our, um, our, our expertise and our experience it forced us to go above and beyond um, and and learn more and and try and develop our expertise even more um, so that when we did sit down and once we got past all the questions of hold on who are you how how this oh, you're oh you own the company oh how, hold on where's your boss you know once we got past all of that like first kind of 30 minutes of interrogation as to who we were and why we were there to sell wine when we actually tasted sat down and tasted the product you know we basically Uh wanted to drop the mic right (laughs) one of those situations where there's nothing that you can say right now that would discredit um, us in terms of the, the, the quality of the product that you're drinking in front of you that's wonderful. That's, I mean, it's a wonderful story. I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, how it was like when you guys burst into the room with these bright colors and you're dropped in mm-hmm. gorgeous and well, we own the winery. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, do you think the industry is changing? Uh, the wine industry is changing? And if so, how? I think it's, I mean, definitely since we started, you know, nearly 11 years mm-hmm. ago, it's changed a lot. And, mm-hmm. and for the better, I mean, when we first started selling wine, we hardly saw any women when it came to winemakers, when it came to sommeliers, when it came to um, people selling wine. We didn't see a lot of women at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely didn't see a lot of people of color. In the last five years, we've mm-hmm. definitely seen an uptick in a lot more women across all, all sectors of the mm-hmm. wine industry and a lot more people of color um, entering the wine business, but it's not enough. You know, it's no, definitely not no. enough. No, it's only 1% at this point. 1% uh, women of color have a winer- winery business. Mm-hmm. That's pretty- I think it's actually probably less. <laughs> but, oh, dear. Yeah, that might oh, be yeah, rounding up. Tell me that. 
Oh, but you know, one of the things, Robin and Andrea, are you guys mentoring and bringing some some young women up? I know you have sixty percent of your employees are female, which is laudable. And uh, but are you bringing someone up? Uh, you know that legacy I I talked about lifting as we climb, and are you bringing mentoring some younger women? Um, you know, and helping them to maybe, you know, know how to start this thing, start a wine business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like one of the things that we're, that I think helped us early on in our business were, you know, I'm, I'm millennial Robin's Gen X. You know, we really, um, when our business started, we really relied heavily on social media. Mm-hmm. So you can reach out to us via our Facebook fan page, Instagram, Twitter, and it's highly likely that we will respond to you pretty quickly. Okay. Um, and so we, when we are out and about, when we're talking, um, you know, I would say probably in the last 12 to 18 months, we've had a lot more people reach out mm-hmm. um, asking us about the wine industry. And, you know, um, and we have been mentoring um, some women and their dreams to start their own wine company and, and doing what we can, but... As you said, sisterhood is super powerful. And, yeah, you know, it, um, it took us a while to figure this out, unfortunately. It felt like for the first at least, you know, eight mm-hmm. years of our business, that we kind of felt like we were grinding by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think I a part imagine. of being, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like a part of identifying as a strong black woman is that you don't ask anybody for help. You know, you're mm-hmm. um, financially independent, you know, you're strong, you're all these different things. And and when we finally reached out to someone, and it wasn't actually necessarily asking for help, it was we somebody asked us to, to donate some wine for their organization, and we did it with the intent of not getting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And what transpired from that action, you know, ended, ended in us being featured in Oprah magazine and, um, you know, meeting Oprah and, you know, all of these, like, amazing things. And That's it was right. And it was through this, you know, sisterhood connection of supporting each other. Um, and we wish we had called on that a long time ago. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe, maybe it would have eased some of those hard days. But um, but it was, it's something that, that we're definitely right. big believers in. And anything that we can do that just provides a little bit of insight on any woman's journey in terms of entrepreneurialism, you know, we're more than happy to, to help and, and share those insights. That's wonderful because uh, two things you've really said to me today that that er- you believe that everyone has genius and talent within them, and so do I. They're born with it, and de- but the developing the passion, uh, and then develop which you said developing your passion and develop your br- your brilliance, which is so important for people out there, listeners to know that you too can be successful in whatever you want to do, but it's going to take. Attitude of never giving up is going to take fortuitiveness. Uh, five to eight years is about what they tell me when I started my own business. It takes five to eight years to get it up and running. You know, mm-hmm. there are going to be some hard times. But the most important thing is that you stick to it and you keep doing what you're doing, particularly when you know that you know that you know that what you're doing is about adding value to people's lives. And Andrea and, and, and Robin, I, I really can't thank you enough for really, again, sharing today from your hearts. Now, I have, this is always an intriguing question to me, you know, for me. What's the best advice anyone has ever given either one of you? Or both of you? Um, <laughs> Don't give up. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had a lot of advice. Most, What's most the of best it good. piece of advice anyone um, has ever given you guys? What's that? 
Oh, the best? Yeah, I think probably, you know, um, for me anyway, is what Andrea just mentioned, is to, um, you know, believe in the power of community and to really allow yourself to pull on and rely on um, not just the power of community, but the power of sisterhood, because we did, we did really feel like we were going it alone. And, and, you know, along with our first mentor, by the time that we realized, you know, we could reach out and that people are willing to help us and, you know, guide us along our journey, you know, that moment changed our trajectory and, you know, made all the difference in the world. Great. I love, I love the fact that you underline sisterhood. Uh, because it is so important, and reaching out and asking for help, really. Mm -hmm. What are some of the big-picture goals for the McBride sisters for the next few years? Because I know you have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) I think think for us, you know, the the latter part of this year, um, we want to get out and we want to start creating and and kind of create a roadshow around wine seminars. So we, we feel like there's like a different, there's a definite thirst and there's a different, a definite um, curiosity and interest in people wanting to learn more about wine. And, um, and so we've kind of, we're working on um, something right now, which would be basically be um, a wine camp 101, everything you need to know about wine. And we'll taste you through, you know, 12 to 15 different wow. wines around, from around the world and ga- give you um, you know, basic insights on um, how to pair food and wine. And how to pair food and wine, I'm not talking about duck confit that no one cooks when they're at home, but, you know, mm-hmm. you love pizza, what's the best, you know, what, m- the more practical food pairings for wine right. to, to go with the lifestyles that we have today. Um, and then just the, ba- the basics on the elements of tasting wine. And, and our ultimate goal is that, you know, people would leave these seminars knowing what they like and knowing what they can go explore in different regions around the world. Um, and, um, yeah, so look, look, look for that in, in the, in the oh, latter, latter half of this year. Okay. <laughs> hope you're coming to San Diego way. <laughs> we we yeah. hope to be in San Diego differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. That is wonderful. So, folks, we will uh, probably be promoting that when you guys let me know when you're going to have your road show. We'll talk about that on the show. And so uh, I want to give people a little opportunity to know that they can follow your journey on social media. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So you can follow McBride Sisters as I will be. And I know that you listeners have enjoyed hearing from the McBride Sisters today. And I have personally enjoyed their authenticity and transparency in sharing their amazing story of sisterhood journey and business, and especially the valuable lessons that they learned that they shared with you today. And, you know, as a writer has once said about them, certainly they share more in common than a name and DNA. And Andrea and Robin, I want to thank you very much for, importantly, you have inspired our listeners today, I know, and really about what matters most to you. And I wish you both continued blessings and success on your journey. And thank you ever so much for joining us today. So this is Dr. Barbara Young, your Transformation for Success radio talk show host, signing off until next Tuesday at 12 noon, where I'll have another special guest for you. And listen in, because we are doing great things on Transformation for Success radio. So be blessed 
be encouraged, be motivated, and be forever transformed. Just get out there and do it. Thank you, and God bless you. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.